a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. This is the Dallas Supercross wrap-up. Coming to you from the folks at Fly Racing. Fly Racing, uh, light hydrogen racewear continues to develop and improve its light hydrogen gear throughout the constant feedback from its amateur and pro athletes alike, with the end goal always being to create the lightest, most breathable racewear on the market. Please check it out. Please check out the F2 carbon helmet from Fly Racing. Check out the snowmobile gear, the fly hard parts, the mountain bike stuff, all from the folks at flyracing.com. Uh, like I said, this is the Dallas Supercross wrap-up, otherwise known as the race where the light shone in. Um, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, uh, the voice of American Motocross, the voice of GNCC, the voice of Quad Racing, the voice of Enduro Cross, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the... Yeah. There you yeah. are. What's up, Weege? Yeah. It was a very strange weekend for me. I was there for almost three days, but I was not there for the race. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's complete <laughs> and utter bullshit, by the way. But, um, yeah, sir. Basically Wednesday through Friday, but not Saturday. <laughs> I I, uh, I still don't understand this. Uh, and I don't know why the coaching this coaching seminar was so important. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, also on the line, uh, we will? Okay. Uh, former yeah. fly racing athlete, now turned trader. Uh, he's out there in the van doing it on his own. The Top Jimmy Albertson. What's up, Top Jimmy? A former fly racing athlete. Wow, his fly sponsors the show. <laughs> you're, you're, you're killing it right now. Hey, but I liked your stuff, by the way. I liked your seven stuff. I thought it looked good. So. No, I – the seven stuff. <laughs> Pretty solid. Um, can I? But anyway, Eli Telmack, we refer to as a, a former Geico Honda rider. Yeah, we always we do it. Yeah, yeah we always. Exactly. Listen, listen. It's a fly. It's a fly podcast. Okay, beat it. Listen, good. Jimmy, I owe you an apology. Okay. Why? Because I have to be honest, and, and I've known you for a long time. I gave you the top Jimmy nickname. Your wife is super hot. Uh, you're a good guy, uh, I, but I have to be honest. Like. You're riding way better than I thought. Congratulations. I did not think you would be this good. I feel bad um, for thinking that. You're riding very well. You lost a truck. You lost about 70 feet, but you gained some seconds back. So I, I apologize. I don't, I don't get that. I lost 70 feet, but I gained second back, seconds back. Yeah, you lost 70 yeah, feet in a I... semi. You lost a semi, and you, got, you, you, know, you lost all that length in the semi. And now you're in a van, and you're faster. Yes. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. So that's because I don't have freaking manage it all. Um, you're good. You're having a good. I mean, you're having, you're riding well. And and you know what? I don't want to say I told you so. 
But I told you so. The move to the lights class wasn't great for you. But yeah, I, it was just a. I mean, honestly, at the end of the outdoor season, I was actually riding pretty good on my 250. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just tough, you know. Um, there was, it was all last minute coming off. It was just not a good combination for results on the tracks for me. Uh-huh. And um, no, I've been like honestly, I felt like Anaheim around Anaheim one's been my best round so far as far as riding. Mm-hmm. Um, the crash in San Diego kind of set stuff back, but. I don't know. It's just I've got a good group of people around me, and I don't mean to go off into like interviews. We'll talk normal <laughs> later, but right. um, just Robbie Raynard has been amazing. Like he's been a mm-hmm. huge help to my program. And then um, you know, work. I when I was out in California and leading up to Anaheim, I started working with Charles Dow and just trying to do everything a little more by the book and right. And I don't know. It's been paying off, but the last few weekends I've definitely not been happy with my riding. And I know that sounds stupid because. To the outside eye, it looks, it looks good, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think if okay. I can get just a little more comfortable, confident, it'll be even better. Uh, Weege, come on. You owe Jimmy an apology also. Come on. I can't keep up year to year. There's years. I feel like every – I don't know what's up, Jimmy, but I feel like the years that I'm on your bandwagon, not good. And then the years where I'm not on, good. So I don't know. Maybe I'm almost better just uh, stop without. Che- yeah, stop um, cheering. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I'm better. It's like being you. Yeah, it's, it's been, like being a Cowboys really good. fan, being an Albertson fan. Uh, being a what? It's like being a Cowboys fan. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm always just gonna disappoint yeah. you, and then so <laughs> deal with it. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Just when you expect the worst, then they get the Dak Prescott year, and when you're ready for it, and then they yeah. go yeah. two and two and fourteen. No, nah, no, yeah. man. You've yeah, been... I'm impressed, dude. Yeah. I feel like you've totally. Uh, I don't know. You probably earn like three or four or five more years here. All of a sudden, like yeah. you're like rejuvenated. Are you like twenty? I'll take it. I'm taking it race by race. <laughs> <laughs> Easy on that. We'll see if he makes. We'll see if he makes it to Vegas. <laughs> Can we argue right now that Jimmy's the best of the the, the real privateer dudes? I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, right it's there, right? a, it's such a gray area on who a privateer is and isn't. Uh, is Nick Schmidt? A privateer or on J- Jimmy's level, or where's Nick Schmidt rank? Yeah, why? Why is Schmidt not a privateer? Well, I'm just saying. You know, there's just okay. there's there's different types of privateer. Like my, and I, I did it. I've done it one one of the year. Like I've did did it this year, and that was 13. Where mm-hmm. like completely, you know, building my, you know, working on my own bikes and just snagging a mechanic up when I, you know, for the races or you know, <laughs> doing whatever. And um, I got pretty good results doing that. And then in Supercross, and then this year, um, I'm doing the same thing. But, like, I, I think that there's that disconnect a little bit, like, privateer. I mean, there's, like, dude, like, if something goes wrong on my bike, it's, like, you know, it's all of us. Or, you know, me, it's basically me and my wife, you know, getting it getting it fixed. Um, unless, like, Jim Lewis, it was nice having Jim Lewis and my dad there this weekend. Like, um, you know, I had so much work piled up. I mean, all my suspension needed to be serviced. Mm-hmm. You know, I had engine swap I needed to do again and freaking clutches and stuff like that. And it was stuff I was doing round by round, but just with the trip and everything back home, I was like, oh, gosh. But my dad came through big, and he worked on motorcycle or worked on dirt bikes for the first time and shit <laughs> probably <laughs> probably 10 years. and. You know, it was it was good. We we had a good Thursday and got everything ready. But like, you know, I think the privateer that actually completely works on everything and go, you know, 
it, with the bike, if I, I know, I know when everything needs to be replaced, and I have tabs on it. There's nobody yeah. else that really has those kind of informations. I keep I keep a log on my my bike, you know, on how long I'll, you know parts have been on it, and mm-hmm. kind of keeping up with it. And even guys, you know, that have full time. I feel like everybody's kind of got a full time dude nowadays, even on a privateer level. Um, yeah, Schmidt's got 11 points. You got 10. And I would say one of you two guys are the true. Like, I don't put Tommy Hahn as a privateer. I don't put Mookie as a privateer, but technically they kind of are. But I don't – yeah, true privateers. Uh, the way Nick Way did it in 02 and the way the great Tim Ferry did it in 99 with me as mechanics. Uh, yeah, Schmidt or you, Top Jimmy. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, it's tough. It was tough missing those – like missing San Diego, missing out on that, and then when I missed the main in Anaheim too, oh, that was well. Wow, you took out my rider. You know, took and then out. only scoring, only scoring one point at the next two is just like, man, I'm this is brutal. Well, you took out my rider at A two, and that's karma got you back because you. <laughs> it is exactly, you know, it's exactly up. like freaking um, uh, Tommy Hahn cleaned me out at uh, at Phoenix, and the next weekend dislocated shoulder. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny because I was talk I was talking with him at Oakland, and um, you know, I was like, "Yeah, dude, like, it's just yeah, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't, I was fired up, but not at him. I was mm-hmm. just like, shit, why did I let that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. And even like Christina from Rock River came over to me and was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. That was brutal. Oh, I apologize. Like, it's semi racing, like, yeah. kill or be killed. Right. Don't worry about it. But. Um, so how was your, how we, before we hit record, um, how did your Dallas go? It sounded eventful. Dude, it was, um, my, my qualifying, I guess it, it went all right. Um, qualified 19th and then my heat race, dude, like I'd never, I felt so damn squirrely. I had such bad arm pump and breathing hard through the roof. I'm like, dude, how I can't even do seven laps. Like this is brutal. And, um, you know, it was just that triple, triple through the rhythm. I almost ate shit in it and just like squirrely. And then my mm-hmm. heat race was actually good. I held off Anderson for a little while mm-hmm. and I was gaining towards, I was gaining towards freeze. And then, um, two laps to go, I was just trying to push and trying to like get closer to a qualifying spot. Freeze had the last one and I tucked my front end and washed out, but heat race was good. It sucked. I lined up like last in the heat way outside and I just kind of like I was like all right I'm gonna kind of have to like guess the gate a little bit uh-huh and, and if I want to try to get a good start and I did and got a decent start and finished time Weimer and then the main was just freaking chaos I I fell once pretty good and then uh-huh. had a head on with Clayson the next time and <laughs> um you know he came he got squirrely in the wolves and we I just he came over into the lane and I just buried into him uh-huh. uh, but in my mind like um, I know how much more 20th plays than 21st. You yeah. know, it's like a $400 difference in the purse. And then on top of that, my Suzuki bonus is top 20. So I'm like, all right, I just got to stay <laughs> out here because I know there's I know there's 20 guys or 22 guys. I'm just going to stay out here and ride laps. And um, I was actually in 15th at one point. I didn't know, I didn't know Tomac was behind me and he got me. So, uh, but yeah, it was just like, dude, it, it was so weird. I had no clue, like how how much longer was we had out there, or how many times I've been lapped, like or who was on what lap. It was chaos. 
Yeah, it really was. Um, it was Weege. I'll go, I'll go back to you. Like, what a nutty race! Like, I tweeted, like, are we on an Indian burial ground here? Like, what's going on with this race? It was Webb had a flat. Chad had a bike problems. Tomac's front brake broke. Uh, Clayson and Jimmy had a head on. Um, you know, uh, Baggett who did crash. Ba- was. He was upside down. He was in the mechanics area. Baggett crashed you know a hundred times. They have that lift. They have that lift before the first set of whoops. Mm-hmm. And like I literally was catching air off that. And I'm like, oh my god, the bike's gonna hit me square on. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna miss the bike. And then Cage just flying right behind it. <laughs> I mean, I hit him so hard. Yeah, it was chaos. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Baggett, Baggett crashed. Like he crashed 800 times for sure. Baggett did. And his and part of the crash was because his throttle tube broke, and he kept going out there, and the throttle was doing weird things. And uh, why get nutty race, man? That has to be a modern-day record for most uh, time bikes were in the mechanics area during a race between both the Omahas, Baggett, Tomac. Am I missing somebody? But this isn't even talking about McElrath and the 250s. It has to be a modern-day record for bikes not being reliable or having problems, and uh, I don't even know. All I can guess is that, uh, well, one, there was a full moon. A lot of people talked about that. And... Um, Okay, I know it's been raining in California for the first uh, five or so weekends of the season. Was getting back on a hard pack track that ridiculously hard for everyone to uh, adjust to? I mean, this was bizarre world. Like, Jimmy, was that the problem? Was everybody, like, dudes were wadding up bad in this. It was weird because the dirt was, like, deceivingly slick. Like, it was, you would feel like you had good traction. As soon as it would push off and there was that shiny stuff, like, it was really, really slippery. And I think even, like, at the end of the race, Trey went down pretty good after mm-hmm. the triple. Yep. Because, like, it literally – that's exactly what happened to me after the first set of whoops in the semi. Like, I came out of them and just went to turn, and it was, like, turning on ice. and just flew right out from under me. And I watched the LCQ on TV on the way back, on the way back through, and after I'd passed Smith for second, he did the exact same thing. So I think the dirt was just grabbing guys – funky and it, i don't know like it was deceivingly the track the traction wasn't there like and it, it looked like it was so i think that was what was biting most people um yeah it was uh it was nutty I, something i'm gonna talk about jimmy um in my column is i think feld's gonna have a real problem here um or they have a problem now like i like the time main events I think they're good, and 26 laps in um, 450s and 20 laps in 250s. I got no problem with time-made events, but they have to figure something out for these tracks. They need more dirt. They need more time to fix them, either or. Maybe they need both. But riders are telling me, Jimmy, that these tracks are dangerous, and they're breaking down badly. And the guys are trying to fix them, but I think on, on a TV schedule – which we weren't on this weekend, but for whatever reason, they, you know, they're rushing things along. And either the TV schedule or the nighttime schedule, there's not enough going on to fix these tracks. Like, guys are telling me that they were sketched, and it's just the tracks are getting beat down from these from the amount of time. Yeah, I, I it, they have been nasty for sure. And even this one not being, not being in the element or having rain on it, they definitely – they they could be fixed up more because some of those ruts like coming out of the corners lead straight up the face of the jumps and then throws everybody off so bad and like I don't know I, I thought the time the time main events were were good but 
honestly, we don't need to be out there for that long to be making the – I mean, obviously, people are like, oh, well, you just need to be in better shape to go that long or whatever. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that those leaders – I mean, what they lap up to this weekend? I mean, it was it was ridiculous say, how far they lapped into the field. And, you know, I, I think that being a shorter race would make for better racing and yeah. and more time to get out there and prep the track. Because they, I think it was Oakland, they prepped the track for as long as they could have. Like, literally, I could tell they were like, shit, we need to prep more. And they're prepping, prepping, prepping. Yeah. And finally, it was like, we have to go. And we literally we were taking off as the tractor was crawled, like get just barely getting off the track into the tunnel and then when we got into the gate it was hardly any time before we just got out of there so they're using as much time as they can i think the dirt work guys are actually doing a, a pretty good job but it's i mean it takes time to do all that prepping yeah i think uh i think there's a real issue going on with with this stuff and and i don't know how they can fix it if they need more dirt, they need more time, they need both time and dirt. I don't know, but guys are telling me like it's sketchy, and, and these are the best riders in the world, and they're they're, they're well, sketched I, out. I think the thing is too is like the tracks when they're fresh are they're pretty easy, um, not easy, but they're they're perfect. Like the rhythm sections are tough, but there's you know it's nothing that you can't get through. But once it starts getting rutted out and nasty, it gets becomes dangerous. So what do you do? Yeah. Do you make everything more mellow and and therefore when it does get rough, everybody can still do the obstacles and there's room for error, or do you or is that going to be too much of slowing the track down even or speeding the track up even more and having us do even more laps and getting into more lap trouble? You know, like it's and by lap trouble, I, I'm talking about me. Like it sucks, honestly. Once you get lapped once. And then you're having to get out of the way for everybody else. Your race is shot. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you want to sit out there and get in the way of somebody, it's it's really tough. And you know, it's to the point where I know that at Phoenix, I'm like, I fell down the first lap of Phoenix in the first rhythm, and I got back up, and Tomac was already a half a lap in front. And once once I got in the group of guys that were lapping me that were racing, dude, I'm like, my lap times are like seven seconds a lap slower because. I I'm getting out of the way for a guy like me. It kind of makes me think, well, shit, man, maybe I should just screw them and I'll get in the way and ruin people's races because <laughs> I want to try to do better. Yeah. It's just such a double-edged it's, sword. Yeah. I, I don't know, man, these things are hammered. They're just, they're just, they're not able to, they're not able to keep up. And, uh, and you hate to see, you know, accidents or anything else because of these tracks not being able to beat up or being beat too beat up so it'll be interesting to see uh where we go from here another thing jimmy a couple riders talked to me about was you guys the mechanics areas are terrible you can barely see in them so how do you know jimmy how much time is left in the race the beast used to be able to overlook over the scoring tower and and see the laps but you have no idea now uh guys are telling me at glendale they could look at the big scoreboard the jumbotron um but, yeah, that's what I was doing at Glendale. I was looking at the jumbotron. Yeah. Okay, so how how do you do and, it on a week like in in Dallas? How do you even know? You know, I was just about, I was going to mention something about that. Like, honestly, what would have been nice at Dallas is is to have a have some sort of tower that did the did every, all you know top twenty on the tower or even top ten 
And maybe because I was honestly, if I would have had a tower looking, then I would have been able to see who who I was actually racing against or who was lapping me. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, it's it's so hard. Um, but I remember at at Oakland there was a you could see a screen as well, and I looked up at it and I could see one of the jumbotrons that had the it would say 12th through 20th or yeah. 22nd or right. something, and I'm like, okay, that's what place I'm in. But it's it's just so. 26 so laps, hard. you're like, just going. You're just like, what am I, what am I going to – There needs to be a countdown clock on the tower, and the tower needs to be visible for where, from mm-hmm. wherever you're, right. you're riding. You should be able to see the tower. The tower should be visible right as you jump over the finish line. You should be able right. to look over and spot the tower. Um, Weege, talking about Dallas, where do you want to start? Do you want to start, Weege, with how good Muscan was or what's up with Dunge? Or, or what, where do you want to start? I, I honestly, I honestly feel like, um, and again, this is being back home, and then it's kind of interesting because when you're at the race, you're basically making your own opinions, and and, and that you can see everything, so you pretty much know what's up. Last two races, not being there on Saturday, it's like you're seeing this collective opinion of others, and I'll tell you. Just like last weekend, we're going into the main event. I heard more, oh, my God, something's wrong with Dunn. She's freaked out. The rocks and crashes got in his head. I heard so much of that before the main event. You know, and he obviously turned around, and he pole shot and led and, and got second. It was fine. I feel like here's what I heard coming out of Dallas. Story number one, mass carnage. Story number two, what's up with Dunn? Story three, oh, by the way, Boots Game won his first race. Yeah. Like, yeah. really – um, it's unfortunate. It was it was um, almost overshadowed. And okay, all these dudes had problems, but it's not like you know. Sometimes that happens, and a dude wins. And they're like, well, yeah, he won, but Dunge had a bad night, and Tomac crashed. But he wrote good. He's been riding good. I don't think anybody looks at this like I hope not. They look at it like, oh well, he only won because other dudes had problems. Like he had it. Maybe Webb would have challenged him, but either if either of them had won their first one, I don't think it was going to look uh, not legit. The yeah. other dudes had problems. No, I yeah, I think Webb would have won the first yeah. one if the red flag hadn't thrown for Brayden. How is Brayden, by the way? Did anybody check on him? I I did not check on him. I hope he's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I would like now. to. He was, he was, he was out. Like yeah. honestly, I was, I was pretty far back coming to the first turn, and like I, I could like see as the bikes were clearing out, I could see him there, and like, like his. He was out cold, and I could tell because his wrists were yeah. folded in. Right. You know, and, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's out. And then when, like, like, dude, when I didn't see the Red Cross was out, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, when are we going to, like, yeah. are we not going to stop this thing? Yeah, I tweeted. And then I tweet- the finish line jump, yep. it wasn't even out. I'm I like, tweeted uh, before, the, before, the finish, I, before the finish, I tweeted, red flag? Like, for sure. I, I automatically, and then no, no red flag. So, um, but anyways, um. Well, okay, so Dunge, Dunge could not get by Dino until these uh, three laps to go uh, for fourth. Uh, Dean was doing a great job. How much of that was the track, Jimmy, uh, and not being able to pass? It was hard to pass. Or how much – or do we need to worry about Dungey at this point? I don't think you have to worry about Dungey. I mean, it's it, – he's, he's still got the red plate. He's still well, yeah, doing he's, well at the races. I mean, sh- shoot – he almost he would have won last weekend if 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 uh, Tomac wasn't on a freak ride, you know. Um, it was kind of one of those things where you can you can say all day, "Oh, what's happening to Dungey?" But like 
I don't know. He's, okay. he's doing just fine in my mind. Oh, uh, and yeah. at the end of the day, it's a long championship, and he knows it, and he's got control of the points lead. Yep. I mean, he's he's going to have to start worrying about Muscan if, if he catches fire because Muscan's a lot more consistent than Tomac. Like, mm-hmm. you really can't count on Muscan having a really bad weekend um, like you can with, with Tomac. He always seems to kind of keep it together. And, you know, it, it seems like Muscan – it was really weird because everybody's like, oh, man, like I thought he had won before. It's because he's his rookie season, he's pretty consistently up front. And, I mean, shoot, he almost won Atlanta last year. Mm-hmm. And it's like you kind of in your head already feel like you've seen him on the top step of the podium, but you haven't. And I think that's honestly if he starts, if he starts being consistent and the race is – if he's not winning, he's beating Dungey, that's – he's going to be – he could win the championship very easily, I feel. What do you think, Weege? Yeah, I never subscribe to the Dunge takes a second or takes a third philosophy that everybody says. Oh, you know, Dunge, if he doesn't have it, he takes a second or takes a third. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I think Dungey has always tried to win, and sometimes he doesn't win, but he's always trying to win. I don't feel like he normally takes a consistent finish, but I feel like this year you are for the first time really seeing that, like, I think it, um, uh, for sure in Oakland, I think he was like, this is what I'm going to do, and you want to go this fast, Tomac, you can have it. And uh, this weekend, too, a little bit, and but whatever. I mean, we just talked about how many dudes crashed hard and ended up breaking their bikes or breaking themselves. So maybe there's some merit to that. Um, but, again, I guarantee you he did not get second last week or fourth this week and say, that's fine, I'm taking the points. Like, I guarantee you he's not pumped on this right now. Should he be worried, like, title-wise, you get a big points lead? That's not a problem. But I don't think he's coming back from these races right now saying, I'm right where I want to be. No way. Um, I think he is forced to take things right now, and I don't think he likes to do that, even though the results say that he's always been consistent. He wants to win, and right now it's not quite working out, and I don't think he's super pumped on it. Super pumped. So I think, you know, you look at Ryan Dungey, yeah. and, and, and last year – I want to say last year and even the year before, but those were really the first years where he was going out there and he looked, he looked like the fastest guy all day. And it was like, Dungy's always the guy to be, even if it's in time yeah. qualifying or whatever, he was always laying it down. And this year is definitely not the same, but it's kind of more vintage Dungy where he was getting the job done by being consistently good and not just amazing every weekend because I mean there for a while, man, he was, he was on it like to where he was, he was not beatable all day. Um, yeah. You might not be seeing that right now. And, but at the end of the day, like, like you were saying before, these tracks are, are nasty and it's a lot easier to throw it away. I feel than it has been in, in years past, even, even though like, I try to relate Indy to, you know, the rounds in Indy to Oakland. Last year, like Kim and Rocks in battle, they were going for it. They were going after each other, and I didn't. I definitely didn't see that same type of fight from Dungey at Oakland. But then again, you know, it's well, I, when you're not when, when you're not feeling it to go to that next level and to push, then it's better just to back it down that weekend and wait for it to come. It's not even the, the 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 Oakland finish or even this fourth, you know, that he got late in the race. It's the qualifying. It's three weeks in a row in the semi. 
uh, not this weekend, but you know, up to that. It's it's everything. It's it's kind of everything to me rolled into one. And there's no panic button. There's nothing like that. You know, just not the same guy. That's all. Um, and we'll have to see how where it goes from there. That's so. No, and I agree. Yeah. Like I said, I think he's he's taking what he can get and is doing well in points. But I think if you gave him the lie detector right now, he would even admit that this is not this is not going the way that he would at least hope no. it would go. No. no. Uh, I mean, there's no way he's getting sixth or seventh or ninth in qualifying and saying that's fine. Um, or going to the semi and saying that's fine. Like, yeah. It's not quite the same. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's really strange. And by the way, if he didn't have this, like his starts have been so good since this new KTM came out in 15. And when he doesn't get a good start, he fakes to the inside most of the time. That has bailed him out. This this could be really bad if he didn't always end up when it counts in the main event, except for this one, but the first five rounds he was good. The starts have bailed him out time and time again. I mean, that might be the only thing making him look as good as he is right now. I mean, that's bailed him out huge in Oakland and in Anaheim, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mar- did uh, Jimmy, did you see Marvin's move in that second set of whoops? Just jump, touch, jump through again? It was pretty sweet. Yeah, like he was doing that in practice, too, and it was so good. Yeah. Um, but if you notice, like, Marvin Marvin struggled at Phoenix, and he struggled. Or, I mean, he didn't. He I felt like he rode good at Oakland, but he, he ran a lot of carnage. Um, but at Phoenix, when they were you, – you could not jump to the whoops at Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I don't care – if you're Marvin Muskan, you can't jump through him. And he definitely struggled. And then you see guys like Reed who can just blast him, and they, you know, he does well. So when now that we're going on to the East Coast, and most likely all the whoops are going to break down, and he will be able to jump. I mean, it's just especially when you're talking about you're talking about running main events with so many laps on them, mm-hmm. the whoops are going to break down, and they're going to break down worse than before. So. I think Marvin on tracks with whoops that are constantly breaking down, he's going to be even better than he yeah. than he has been because by yeah. the end of the moto, people who are still trying to skim, yeah. they're not going to be near as consistent as fast as Moose can. Um, Dino wasn't having it after the race last night, but um, you know he, he doesn't want to talk poorly on the Yamaha, and I get it. They helped him out. They supported him. Um, but there's no doubt. He jumps on a Husky slash KTM that he rolled last year. He has his season best finish last week, out of the you know out of the first four rounds. Then this week he runs fourth for for three quarters of the main event and gets fifth. Um, qualifies. He's on the box. He's on the board a lot in practice. Um, the Husky is better than the Yamaha for Dean, and he's being political about it. But there's no doubt that that's that's a better bike for him right now. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough to say because it's like you're talking a privateer Yamaha versus a factory Husqvarna or KTM. If you, you want to say, I mean, right. there's so much testing they've got and so much, and so many different set. They can make him comfortable right away. And not only that, but yeah, I think he's been riding that bike for the last two years when he's, when he's actually been healthy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like he picked up right where he left off on a factory team. And it's, of course he's going to do better on mm-hmm. it. And then on top of that, he's not going to have to deal with the stress and the bullshit mm-hmm. of doing your own race program. Now he can just show up and doesn't have to worry about, you know, yeah. he doesn't have yeah, to have doesn't that. worry about anything. Right. Right. You know, and not that I don't think his, his dad probably, you know, 
for his dad's the man. Like he's he's on it, you know. And yeah. and I just, you know, I, I think that even for him, you know, his dad's gonna help him out out of the goodness of his heart. But as a person, you feel like, man, I'm like these guys are doing this all for me for nothing, and like just to do it, and it puts extra stress. And now that he's on a team, I feel like he's like, all right, I'm here to do a job, and they're pay me to go out there and race and all I got to do is focus on my stuff and not like making sure everything else is good. Uh, RCH guys, Weege, uh, Bogle won a heat. Ticklin got sixth. Bogle got ninth. Like, good for those guys. They had a good night. It's, it hasn't always worked out that way after Roxon left uh, last year, but RCH Suzuki had a good night. Yeah, they really needed yeah. it. And it seems weird to me that Bogle appears to be better uh, since getting a little time off and getting hurt. I feel like last week was the first signs of like the kind of the Bogle that we would expect. Maybe get some start showing some speed here and there, and then this week he did it again. Uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone hurting themselves and breathing their lungs and missing a race, but uh, it seems to finally have come around a little bit, uh, winning a heat, all those things. Now, the whole night was crazy and nutty, so it's like any result, good or bad, you kind of got to take with a grain of salt a little. Mm-hmm. But to me, still – Got to take some positives away, regardless of what happened. I yeah. mean, Bogle winning a heat and what sixth for Tickle? Finally, I mean, there really was just no noise over there whatsoever. It was so quiet results-wise and everything. Finally, they got a little something going, and Bogle got taken down by Anderson. Who knows how well he would have done? He was in a good spot in the main too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mookie yeah. got a season best too. Uh, Suzuki's Jimmy. Suzuki's four out of the top uh, ten. Whew. <laughs> Look at that. Um. It wasn't me. No, no. Um, no, definitely not. Millsaps was dead last, like crashed twice in the first half a lap and got eight. Yeah. Weimer never really noticed him. He got seventh. It was just like put laps together, don't crash. Well, Millsaps crashed twice, but it's on the opening lap. And 25 laps <laughs> later, you end up with a decent finish. It was just a nutty race. Um, it really was. Tomac's front brake was uh, already broken, according to the Cowie guys, or already uh, jacked up before he crashed. So he hit somebody or something. It was seized. Uh, oh, is that is that what caused the crash then? Yes. Yes, apparently. If, oh. if, if I am to be, you know, if I am to trust Cowie. So, um, oh, right, right, right. Well, who knows? I mean, they could tell me anything, right? So. Um, no, it's true. Totally. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's a big, big blow for Tomac because all day long, him and Muscan were the fastest guys, without a doubt. They were the fastest guys. But, uh, yep, Tomac just lost a ton of points. All those points he gathered back, uh, those gone now. So 29 back over a race. That's got to be know. depressing. A, a, a race that could have been really easy, easily obtained like yeah. beating Dungey. Yeah. No, I'm not saying beating Muscan. He was he was ripping, but yeah. like, I mean, it, it, he could have easily scored points on Dungey that race if he just would have stayed out of trouble. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Webb Webb was fast too. He, I think he would have won that first main event. I really do. I know you guys maybe don't think so, but he was great. Uh, if that first red flag hadn't gone, he was he was looking good. Um, Seeley was good. Seeley was consistent the whole way. Um, at one point, Marv had to roll the triple. Uh, there was a, a Red Cross flag out. Jeez, Jimmy, that triple was causing guys a lot of problems. I guess it was just slick, right, coming around? Yeah, if you wanted to skate that inside, it was slippery, and it was all good before um, they started to get, like, acceleration bumps. Right. And once those acceleration bumps started forming, you had to hit some some of that powder or some of that 
that loose dirt on the outside to to drive across or anyways i i did i just started jumping and then swinging it wide and making my turn in the loose dirt and then getting over those and getting over it yeah your bike would yeah when your bike would unsettle and then you'd try to get that like i saw so many 250 guys weed on it you know they, they did a decent job about making sure they prepped that but i mean i remember i think it was the second practice um they didn't they didn't touch it very well or didn't work it that that well and man a couple times trying to get a fast lap i took the fast line through it mm-hmm. and it skipped a couple times and then i'm like oh man i'm shorting a little <laughs> bit and um that the thing was that that triple downside was like non-existent or it was sorry not non-existent it was freaking huge it wasn't like the other rounds before where it was mm-hmm. kind of rolled over like if you came up short on that wow. thing it was we, Not good. Can we talk about Marty coming up short on it? Oh my God! See, I didn't. Did Marty? Did they show that on TV in the main? Uh, I don't know. I haven't got that far yet. Um, holy crap! Did Marty come up short? I thought he was just yeah. Uh, he kept going. Uh, he slowed down for like four turns, and I don't blame him. He case it just like Alessi did. Anaheim won. Was that Anaheim won when Alessi did that? I think it was. Um, it was that bad. So. Did you see that? Um, was that Lonette or Leonette? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and then man. Kyle White he landed did, on Colt Neck. Colt Neck. Uh, Kyle White landed on Colt Neck. Dude, these guys. Yeah, that, those triples are just like they're so sketchy because there's such a room to pass people right there going into it when mm-hmm. they're setting up, and it just then you don't want to miss a triple, so you yep. just like you're committed into it. It's they're they're sketchy for sure. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what to do about it. Like everybody's like saying this is sketchy, that's sketchy, but well, like man, like you know, it's, it's supercross, yeah, for a reason. It, yeah, it's called exactly. supercross. Yeah, it's supercross. <laughs> you know, yeah. all the time I'm like, man, that's gnarly. But in my head, I'm never like, right. man, they need to do something about that. It's just how it is, you know. We each Trey Kennard came back, got 11th. Like Jimmy said, he crashed late in the race. Um, he was just okay, but you know, so. It was nice to see him back on the KTM. It still, it still looks weird, Trey Kennard on a KTM, but I don't know how much they showed yeah. him on TV. Yeah, and I did talk to him when I was at the race, but not there for the actual race on Friday. Uh, and I don't think – I mean, Jimmy, you would know, but he didn't have a ton of time in basically two weeks. And there weren't two whole weeks of Supercross. It was like getting back on the bike, doing some turns, finally doing some motos, and then it rained all week. I mean, that's – he was his shoulder was ready to go. I think otherwise he's going to need a week or two to uh, to get rolling. So if he had gotten tenth or so, which he might have gotten, that probably would have been pretty good. Um, but in the end, like everybody else who was bit, it was the same section, wasn't it? Was it that same triple corner yep. area? Yep, same thing. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, hey, you're basically landing on the brakes right there, and that's what I was talking about. That shiny soil or that shiny hard pack that would get pushed off, like. Like if you landed a little far on the brakes to try to hit that that inside rut, like I felt like a complete goon because a lot of the times I'd get back and I'd pull my clutch lever all the way in and slide it into the rut <laughs> because I didn't want to like trust my front end and not grab the clutch to lean into the corner because I knew it was slick. And um, the fast guys were obviously doing that, but it you had to be very precise if you wanted to do it every lap. Jimmy, were you going two three in that rhythm? Three two three no, three three. No, I was just going two three three two. Yeah, and it's funny because um, when 
Anderson lapped me the the first time. <laughs> when Anderson came around and lapped me the first time, I actually got him behind them. And he was, I forget who he was racing around with, but he did that line in front of me, and I was actually pretty good getting through that section. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I think I might have gained time by going double, double my normal line yep. and um, not doing that. And I think a lot of it, too, was in the main, you really couldn't hop that single into the inside where it was super slick and then you'd have to sky the triple because you're trying to catch tracks and right, jump it. Right. And if you double into the corner, you could catch a little bit of that fluff outside and then shoot and stay lower over the triple. So, okay. yeah, yeah. That, that, that section was gnarly. I, did, did anybody ever triple into it? Tomac did in practice, like once or twice. But it puts you into the five-footers at the end, so you'll go triple off a of five-foot yeah, single, you, and then triple off a of five foot. So it's yeah. not. It wouldn't have been good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see a clock on it for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Lit pro. Yeah, lit pro, bro. Um. All right, let's uh, let's take a commercial break here. Talk some two fifties. Uh, we got X Fly athlete Jimmy Albertson and uh, Racer X's Jason Wygant. Listen to this commercial from Race Tech. Use the code Pulp MX seventeen to save at Race Tech and Michelin Star Cross Five. Great tire, fantastic, and uh, we'll be right back with some two- hardcore 250 Supercross talk. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Uh, trust me on this. There's a, more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, Their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how, you know, sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So 
they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Fly racing. Racer X Podcast, Dallas Supercross wrap-up. Top Jimmy Albertson and Jason Wygant on the line. Um, 250 talk. Uh, wow, what a bummer for McElrath, man. Like, gee whiz. Uh, answered, you know, an went to the LCQs the last few weeks, didn't have great races, um, really stepped up. Clutch ride, as Wygant likes to say. And he was probably going to win it, although Hill was catching him a bit. Um until the bike malfunctioned, and what a bummer. Like, you just – that's that's a $300,000. That could be a $300,000 mistake right there, $400,000 mistake. You want me to answer this? Either one could step in at any time. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a bummer to see. Like, I mean, it, it kind of – it, it really shocked me they sent him back out there. It was good that it was good that he didn't like go for anything. But when a bike's yeah. screwing up, I was sitting there watching with uh, with Malcolm and Reed, and both just like looked at each other and we're just like, "Dude, why is he going back out? That's <laughs> yeah. like so dangerous. Do not do that. Pull him off. He's gonna end up KOing himself." But he did a pretty good job of just rolling around, not jumping anything. But well, he still man. got he still got last and still got one point. It wouldn't have mattered. Nothing happened. You know. Yeah, it's just brutal. You know, KTM they've put such a they've put on such a strong, um, you know, last almost decade now over here, and um, it's it's tough because they really since they've just got this TL, the TLD team is now factory. I mean they're 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 expected to win, right? You know, and yep. and um, they've done a really good job this year, but it kind of just just like Moosecan's bike, you know, breaking at the last round in 14, it's, God, man, it's brutal. Or was it 15? Yeah, um, um, that's but, it's just a tough, yeah. And it, honestly, you would think, do you, did you ever hear anything, what what it was? No, I never did. I don't know if we'll ever find out, you know. not, not Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it, um, uh, McElrath Mechanics, my old mechanic um, from BTO, uh, so – Obviously, like I wanted to text him and be like, "Hey, what happened?" But yeah. at the end of the day, I don't. It's like, okay, I'm not going to be that guy <laughs> because yeah. I'm sure tough, I'm sure he's heard that enough. And, tough break, bro. <laughs> uh, exactly. It's like it, it had to have been some sort of ECU or yeah, yeah, you know, some sort of electronics. Um, yeah, Justin Hill. I remember in '15 yeah. when uh, when uh, Marvin had the bike problems there in the first moto, uh, they. Out of nowhere, you know, they grab Jimmy, Georgia, and I, and say, "You got to, got to host this banquet here, this beer bash," which we didn't, we didn't have. I, I didn't know. I, I never been prepared. Did you, Jimmy? We were not prepared for the season finale. 
show at all. No. Right? I didn't you know, know. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're just getting yeah. some, some coolers and some beers, and we're just going to hang out. And then it's like, host a show. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, the barbecue sandwich, and, and Carrie Coons comes up, and she's like, so you ready? I'm like, for what? She's like, to go on stage and talk? And I'm like, uh. But as I was headed up there, uh, Stephanie Nutt, PR from KKM, is like, please, please don't make any jokes about Marvin and the bike. Frankie's pretty much on suicide watch. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, so these guys know. These guys know when, yeah. like you said, a three or four hundred thousand dollar mistake happens. Even though and then I was, it probably I was wasn't like even Frankie's the, fault with Moose Can, and it probably wasn't the mechanic's fault per se. Yeah. I was planning my team roast speech, and then you're like, "No, that's not going to be good." <laughs> no, you cannot. You cannot roast. I mean, I think Frankie was in tears for 12 straight hours after that Marvin Moto that year, and even though really it was even Frankie's fault, it probably wasn't, and it probably wasn't the mechanic this time's fault per se. Uh, but they're always going to yep. put it on their shoulders, right? Yep. Um, yeah. But well, look, Hill's riding great, and he full marks for all these wins in a row. There's no doubt. But, you know, the McElrath bike issue and Plessinger just, I mean, this kid just cannot get a start. He is, he, if, I'm, if I'm Star or Yamaha, I guess, like I'm seriously move, thinking of moving him up next year. He's just, maybe he's just too big, Wygant, to get starts. No. I, I don't know. I, no. Uh, okay. No, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire Okay. Life. All right. Well, I, no, I doubt it's the dumbest thing you've okay. ever heard, but. I would I would say you gotta understand that star bike is it's good it's fast. There's yeah. no way. I mean, what what do you think? He probably weighs 175 pounds. Um, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not that much. We're talking about a hard pack straightaway, where the yeah he's. I mean, I was getting better starts on my Suzuki at Supercross, you know, um, from lining out way outside on the gates because I was qualifying terrible. It's not – Supercross is so much more technique than outdoors. Outdoors, you have a long, tilled straightaway. I get that. But Supercross, man, that – that it, horsepower is not an issue. He seems to get through off the well, just I'm not saying horsepower is an issue. I never said that. I'm saying he just can't start on a on a bike. He just can't ride a 250F, you know, like he needs to. He maybe his knees are getting in the way. Maybe his legs are. I don't know what's going on with Passenger, but it's not good. So. I mean, he's riding. He's riding good still. Well, I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, once he figures it out, right? Like yeah. He he's got it figured out. I mean, I really feel he was he, he was got like in trouble in Oakland. He could he could have very easily won Oakland. It's just. He was eighth fastest. Man. He was eighth fastest in, in this weekend in qualifying. Eighth. How does Plessinger end up eighth fastest? You know? Yeah. Bad start. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't um, and Jeremy Martin comes back and, like, he goes down off the start. This another guy that you're just like, what is going on? These guys cannot figure it out. J-Mart, is he still your title pick? I, like I said, whatever you for pick in the beginning, you're not allowed to change it. After the fact, that's how gambling works. That's right. how it works. You okay. can't change that. The fact. So yeah, you're eighty. You're, I think Jmart still got this. You're eighty-one down. It looks like. <laughs> with, with two to go. Yeah, three. Three, three to go. Three to go. <laughs> okay, so mathematically eliminated, actually, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Uh, I, I was gonna say, yeah, you're you're on the Plessinger thing, but I mean, this Jmart season, if he could take, like, there's a chance now he's not even gonna win a race this year let alone the title. Oh, right? yeah. Like elusive. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's looking okay. Well, you don't know. We're coming back from the break. He could end up winning one, but there's a very good chance that he's not even going to win a race. Like, he's not supposed to be taking steps backwards. And I know it's been all crap stuff, bad starts, and you know, missing two races and a concussion and all that. But like, whatever. Like, this is just a disastrous, disastrous, disastrous season. And usually, the guys at his level or that aspire to be at his level, like, it doesn't turn out. No. This bad. No. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Hill Hill's the best guy right now. There's no doubt. Hill's on fire. It's just everything's working out for him. Yeah, I couldn't tell from the TV coverage. But did Fortner get on him at one point, or, or get he made a run, didn't he, or uh, made a mistake or something? A a tad run, a small run, Adam. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, later in the race, but not nothing. Yeah, nothing big. I don't know what happened. You got to think too. Like like whenever you see, I mean. Austin rode awesome. Um, he kept those guys like semi close. If anything were to happen, it were they were he was going to be there for it. But um, you know, after you see the guy you're in the championship with pull out, and then all of a sudden your drive and motivation probably just is like, like your mind just goes crazy. Like, what do I, mm-hmm. what do I do now? Like, I've got like and then all these different thoughts come to your head. Like, oh, just win this race now you're not focusing on the moment and trying to catch the guy so i think for him it was just kind of one of those things where you know fortner did suck up on him there at the end but i think there was he definitely was was cautious um but at the end of the day austin all day he rode really good in his heat race like mm-hmm. barring that mistake for the whoops i think he would have would have had him yep you know yep so um I think you'll see a race win from him. Jimmy D rode. Jimmy D rode well. Reardon rode well. Um, can we have a moment of silence for Phil's? Colmar, Colmar, Cole Martinez rode really. He good. did. Yeah, he rode well. So did Mel Ross was up there early, but his first race back after a while, kind of got a bit tired. I guess that's understandable. Can we have, can we have a moment of silence for Phil's ankle? It was uh, our our beloved Phil Nicoletti goes down at press day. Weege, were you there? No, that happened in the morning. That happened like it wasn't the one o'clock press day. Oh. Uh, I don't know what the deal was. That was like uh, eight in the morning or seven in the morning or something. I was there, but I was at this summit. Uh, I was. I didn't even know JGR was on the list to do PR. So that's what you get for doing special favors, showing up early, <laughs> not even on the list. Poor Phil. Uh, and uh, a couple of the guys came to the house today. We actually hung out, and uh, it is like. It's the mother of ankle injuries. Like, it's not good. It's, it's, a, it's a heel. It's an ankle. It's, yeah. It's dislocations. Yeah. It's brokens. It's tib fib, maybe, I heard even. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. Where do you, where do you, you know, crash that? On the rhythm. Uh, after doing go, going 2-2-3 two, two, on that three. Oh. Uh, so. Yeah, I did talk to a few people that were there that morning, uh, and they said it was bad. Poor Phil. Um, yeah, so I don't think – at first I'm like, well, you know, they have a huge break in the West and I'll be back. No, no, no. Not going to be back by uh, Seattle or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, with a heel, I mean, you, that's that's a long time. And yeah. That, that was Timmy's kind of well, wasn't it? I didn't want to really talk that about that. But, yes, that that is the great Tim Ferry. The heel. But did him in, for sure. I text, I text, I text Bill Friday night. I was just like – I mean, I, I've known Phil for a long time now. I grew up, we grew up, we're the same age, so we raced amateurs together. And, like, it was, like, before Phil became the, the Phil, bad news Phil and all that stuff, like, 
he was funny because he was just such a character. He lived with us in 2008 um, and stayed with Greg Dorenzo with at Trey Kennard's place, and we all just lived together. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, you know how Phil is. It's just yeah. like I couldn't help but just feel like I almost I felt gutted on Friday night. Like, damn, when I found the found out the news, I text him or whatever, and it's just like as as much of a asshole Phil can be there's not a nicer guy you know no I I, I text him that hey the, the bad news is you're out for the year the good news is you know you got more time for pulp and mech shows and all he said was uh the pain is so bad or something he just he couldn't <laughs> so even bad. he couldn't even like really reply he couldn't even come back with a smart ass comment you know what I mean like you expect him to come back with something um but hey He's we're out of it we'll, we'll cheer for him here to get well soon um we uh, yeah, brutal with JGR, man. They freaking oh, I know everybody, man. And so I'm like, so I said to Weimer, I'm like, so you're in? He's like, well, no. They keep just telling me like two races at a time, and they're letting me. And I'm like, yeah, they're just telling you that because they think that if they tell you, you know, if they don't, if they don't tell you you're in, you'll feel pressure to ride better. And then Weimer's like. Yeah, that's probably what they're doing. It doesn't really matter, but that's what they're doing. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like he's too smart. He's even, whatever. Yeah, he's too smart to even because he knows what they're doing. So, but I mean, I would think Weimer is there for the year because between Pike and Phil and Barsha and and you know, yeah. So those JGR guys, man, they're yeah, like you said, Albertson just hit hard. Yeah, it sucks. Well, you know, it's like but. You look down the list. You gotta put another guy out there. Yeah. And Jake's, what about what about you? Jake's, what about you? Yeah. I, well, I mean, at the end of the day, let's face it. Jake Weimer has put up way better results than me. No, but if they so. keep getting hits, Albertson, how far down would you would, would they have to get hit for you to get a call? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Your buddies with Chris Wheeler, but, Suzuki, and you're getting help from Suzuki but, a bit, and, and they're Suzuki, and you know. I think the thing is, though, like, yeah, look at, like, with Weimer, Barsha's coming back, and with Weimer being, um, you know, being there, yeah. consistent, and, you know, his best race, like, they've got the two guys, and they they really, the big thing is trying to find a, a 250 guy, but I guess they're having Peters yeah. do some of the East, so, yeah. I mean, that 250 program just needs somebody, but from what I, what I gather, or I'm pretty sure is that the 250 deal's Outdoor only, so Bashelia should be healthy yeah. by then, you know. So, would you be able to leave your 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 team you're on now and the sprinter and everything to go, or is? <laughs> well, yeah, I man, I don't know. I mean, the the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, I don't. I being with Suzuki, they've given me a contract and to do all that stuff, and then obviously, Jim Lewis and Merge Racing. I mean, we've just been together forever, and it's he's like family to me but at the end of the day it's like i i don't want to burn any bridges and fmf obviously has helped me out throughout the years and you know to be honest with you like i like the look of my bike so i just kind of keep it like it is and i was going into this year i was had some opportunities to pursue some sponsors title sponsorship stuff and it was just like Mm -hmm. and if i get into that mode again then everyone's like what if we do a team and what if we have another rider and all this so i just kind of (laughs) like Kept it simple and threw right. FMF on the side just because I really I thought it looked cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's basically why. So um, you know, it's it's good though. I, mean, I got Suzuki helped me out a ton, and, and Jim Lewis at Merge Racing's always just got my back as far as getting my stuff mm-hmm. good to go racing on. But 
I mean, honestly, if something came up, I would definitely consider it just for the simple fact that maybe you get you a know, your, your, it, it, your mechanic, it, you get a real mechanic. He wouldn't be as hot it, as yours now, but. It's just expensive, you know, like yeah. that's the the main thing. Like it's everything involved. Like even if you got a mechanic that'll, like I've had so many mechanics come to me saying, oh, I'll work for free and I'll fly myself to the, you know, I'll fly the races. Well, I don't like that because then I feel bad, yeah. you know, like yeah. if anybody's doing a job for me and anybody who's ever worked for me knows that if they do something for me, I'll pay them. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is because no. if you're going to do a duty, you should get paid for it. And I, I just don't. People offer, and I'm like, even if you, even if you don't take any money, then we're talking like I gotta fly you to the races. We yeah, gotta get yeah, yeah. Hotel room, we gotta coordinate. It's right. Still, it's still a lot more expensive. So, um, having a team and not having to do that is definitely a lot easier. Why again? Before we wrap this fly racing uh, racer X podcast up from Dallas, what's about what was up with this coaching thing? What was going on with that? Well, some of the guys is coaching, but it's really a attempt to revitalize the industry and get more people to buy dirt bikes and ride them and become enthusiasts of the sport. The coaching is just the conduit uh, to make that happen. Um, And essentially what a couple industry people figured out was uh, there's some other sports that are really thriving right now, like cycling, skiing, snowboarding, all that. And research showed that it's because they have, if you want to try it, if you want to figure out what the heck to do, um, you can go to like, a mountain bike shop or a ski resort, and they're like, here's a coach who will show you what to do. If you have no clue what you're doing, this person will show you everything you need to know. And here, it's pretty much you have your dad show you, or you have no idea how to get involved with the sport. Right. Um, So the coaching thing, and then they're like, well, wait, this actually works because there are literally probably like a thousand or thousands of quote-unquote riding coaches around the country. But if you I mean, hey, Robbie Rayner's a great dude, and we all know that he was a legend. But if you're some random parent and your kid randomly sees Supercross and wants to try a dirt bike, you'd have never heard of him. So what if you could go to your dealership and say, so how do you learn how to ride? Well, here's eight certified coaches in your state. Here are their credentials. Here's what they're trained in. We've done background checks on them. Um, They know CPR. They know first aid. Work with these guys. Um, And more importantly, if you put all these coaches in the same – group uh so much talk about just for example you go out to glen helen or paris out in california they have 65 cc bikes on the track same time as dean wilson putting in motos if all the coaches say look i have we're each bringing 10 riders that's 100 riders you got to change this build a mini track or we're not coming it's just you get the strength in numbers and it makes the sport look credible so it was pretty cool. It was a two-day, all-day thing, you know, this concept, and most of the ideas are actually from the U.S. ski team and U.S. cycling team. It's not revolutionary for most sports, but it's a lot better for us. So I feel like I've been ranting about this kind of thing for years. Hmm. If somebody's going to do something about it, I better put my money where my mouth is and try to help any way I can. Okay. So hopefully, yeah. so, a couple years down the line, this is going to be good. All right, Mr. Yep. Smith and little Bobby, thank you for your purchase of the uh, TTR-125. I'd like to introduce you yeah. to your coach, uh, Mr. Ryan Hughes. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. That was the biggest worrying point. I think, like, all the things I just laid out are fairly logical, right? Yeah. But but then you get down to the brass tacks of, wait a minute. How are you going to have a certification process where Ryan Hughes and, I don't know, Matt Walker and Colin Millsaps and all these gnarly people 
They're going to agree on something. Right. Yep. They're going to agree on what a certified coach is. They're going to, are you going to actually have to talk about what the proper way to ride a motorcycle is, which these people, there's absolutely their way of the highway. But this is the brilliant move. Um, the beginning of this thing, they literally showed the motorcycle sales, and they're terrible. And it scared everyone in the room straight. No one argued after they're like, oh, crap, no young kids are getting into the sport anymore. We'll do whatever it takes. So when Ryan Hughes himself, anytime Ryan Hughes raised his hand when they said he had questions, I think the room was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Rhino's got something to say. <laughs> he finally You're never said, not going to know what Rhino's thinking. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone was waiting for him to say this is a joke or you need to follow me. I know what's up. But even Rhino said, can we put videos on the site showing people how to ride? Because I see too many kids out there doing jumps that don't know what they're doing. And at one point, they literally said, well, no, you can still coach. Like, you can still charge money. You don't need to tell everybody. And he's like, I don't care. They don't need to learn it from me. I just don't like going to the track and seeing kids doing huge jumps that don't know how to jump and then almost killing themselves. So I don't care who teaches it or how we teach it. We just can't have this happening anymore. And to hear even Rhino say that, like, I don't care if it comes from me. I just need it to come from somebody. Right. There's a lot of buy-in. It's still going to be quite an organizational process to pull this together, but it sounded I'm just cool. glad it's, yeah. the industry's doing something. They're just doing something. Right. I guess I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see how this gets. I, I'm sorry, but I don't see how it makes anything better because the reason why people aren't buying motorcycles is because it's fucking expensive. And it's it's so expensive to go buy a bike, and then on top of that, now you're talking about you know having going and getting lessons for it. Like, it's not. It's I just don't agree with that whole thing. Is that's why bike sales are bad? Do I think it's a good thing for everybody who starts out riding to have coaching? Yes, absolutely. But I don't think you turn this around and this is gonna turn around the bike sales for people. It's not. It's that's kind of silly to say, if, in my opinion. But it, I would I would like to see more people do riding classes because the sport is dangerous as it is. But that's not going to fix as far as bike sales go. Oh, what's up, Grumpy McGrump? I mean, I kind of agree with you, well, Jimmy, but it's it's a good thing. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, it is. Dude, I mean, it. it I don't know how you're going to fix the other but, part. So, and I know everybody listening is like three books, two strokes. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But in general, dirt bikes are always going to be one of the most expensive forms of recreation you're going to have. You're never going to make it one of the cheapest. So, uh, and one of the most one of the dangerous you too. can do. Yeah. It, it is. One awesome stat they brought up was they're like, we found that I think 81% of the purchases uh, is like the female in the household has to sign off on it. And to get mom to, even if you have the money, to say this is okay is really hard. And a couple of people brought up, I think Rhino, again, Rhino raised his hand, and he's like, when, as soon as some mom sees Ken Roxon's arm explode on Instagram, it's over. They're, the kid's not getting a dirt bike. So I think that's part of it. Like, they're finding situations Ooh. where people have the money, but the wife is saying, hell no. So oh, yeah. I mean, at least making uh, it appear safer is going to help somehow. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's been around for as long as you know we've all been riding bikes. So it's so. true. I mean, Jimmy, I honestly yeah, don't know why. Not that, not that visible. Well, maybe. 
Maybe. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, you know, it's funny because obviously I don't have kids, but I mean, I couldn't imagine seeing someone I, you know, someone I would care more about than my wife going through the things that I've gone through. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's insane. So I don't I don't blame them for that at all. But at the end of the day, there's just so many different levels of it, you know. Yeah. No, I thought that you know what more yeah. whatever more power to them sounds like a thing that came together and 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 oh, yeah. we you mentioned earlier on another podcast that Feld is a getting a little bit more a little bit more proactive with trying to help dirt bike sales and stuff. So that that's good. Um, you know, can we can we not can we do something about that sun in the rider's eyes in the semi race? <laughs> Um, yeah. Hey, well, speaking of that, because of the day race, uh, I did get the inside uh, info from from Feld on they yeah. made these deals for TV windows, and then the TV windows moved when I, you, I can't even keep track. UFC got bought and sold. I guess Fox was taken it out. I think either way, don't quote me on that. The point is. UFC has got a significant push now that it didn't have before. So it's basically like, hey, whatever schedule we agreed to, uh, it's getting blown up. UFC is getting priority. So uh, then the TV schedule for Supercross changed, but you can't change stadium times. Like That's like turning a glacier. So they were stuck with a day race, not on live TV, which is probably the worst. And Sammy Hagar would say the worst of both worlds is the B-side. I like it, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't yeah. think the day races are great for fans. Um, at the race could be cool for TV potentially, but this was a bad situation. All right, yeah, um, it wasn't. It was weird. Anything else? Yeah, Albertson. Live. We 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 and I apologize to you. We we thought you would suck, and you're good. So we apologize. That's how we. That's yeah. okay. I mean, you're good. I'll try not. I'll try not to suck, so you don't think that. But. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I next feel year we're gonna like think, I'm doing very well. So. We just mean next year we're going to think you're going to do well, and then you're going to suck again. And then <laughs> we're the year after we that, go. we're going to think you're stuck, and then you're going to come back. Yeah. I can't. It's the year after, like, we're, we're, going, we're around by around at this point, man. Um, are, are you making money, Jimmy? Like, uh, contingency and purse money and expenses, do you think you will end up making money at the end of this year? Yeah, but um, it just depends. I mean, uh, it really it depends on how much more help I'm wanting to get or how what I want to do with my program, how much more money I'm going to spend. Um, I can do it cheap, as cheap as I want. I can do it right. a lot more expensive. So it's just kind of wherever I'm at. But out in California, you know, it's fun. Like I got I got knocked out at San Diego. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. You know, as I'm sitting there in the trucks, you like, oh, do you want to run through concussion protocol? You know, if you want to try to line up and race or whatever. And I just said, I was like, there's no way I'm racing tonight. I'm I'm done for the night. I just told him that. And then I was in my head, I'm like, well, wait, no, I'm going to actually, I'm going to all line up, but I'm only going to just roll around the track one lap so I can collect my money. Mm-hmm. And they were, the, <laughs> the Alpine Star guys are like, no, you're done. You're not doing that. I'm like, well, so that's that's a that's nine hundred dollars just burnt right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. On top of when I, going into that race thinking that I'm going to make you know three grand or so, and then all of a sudden you're you're you hit a big goose egg, mm-hmm. and then the next weekend you don't you don't make the main. So, yeah. and then I crashed out of the LCQ. So instead of getting fifteen hundred, you get nine hundred. Yeah. Jeez. And it's just like you can't it, when you're 
when you're a commission-based business, as I'll call racing motocross, it's you can't really count on anything. So you just kind of like roll with the punches on it. So I don't know if I can keep consistently being in the main and riding good and, um, you know, working some sponsor stuff. In the meantime, maybe I sold, um, I sold actually my helmet to a construction company this weekend. Oh, cool. Um, and ended up working out really good and, um, you know, did a helmet wrap for them and hung, got to meet all the guys and had them come in, and that worked out great. I know? was really hoping you weren't going to say, I sold some crack. You yes, know. crack. <laughs> yeah, we made it. We made it, when we, and all the time we have, we... That, I didn't know, you know where you were going because you said... Mechanic. You said, I sold, I sold... I'm like, oh, please, Jimmy, please don't say weed or, or crack. You know? or, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, I sold um, a bunch of gear that I had that was brand new in the, in the box. <laughs> On eBay under a different name. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, stuff like that. So I'm looking to do that. Maybe sell some rounds um, and just see if somebody wants to come on board. That that definitely helps. But you know, it, it's all good. I think it's just knowing that. And I, I hate to say this, but like outdoors for somebody in my situation is not. You, you're not going to make money doing that. You know, it's because on top of not getting the purse money that you normally would in Supercross. Like, there's no way you can do an outdoor national day without a mechanic yeah. and be competitive. Yeah. It's too hot. The bikes go through way too much. I mean, it's it's impossible. So with that being said, like, you get less purse money. You have to pay for w- way more help. It's just in Supercross, I got to make sure I make a good amount, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the, folks, that's a little bit of behind the scenes of how you make money in this sport if you're top Jimmy. So, um, but you know, I love the outdoors. I love racing outdoors so much. And I'll pick cool ones that I want to go to so I can go do it and I'll stay riding, but that'll right. probably be what it'll be. Yep. Uh, Weege, anything else? I'm good, bro. All right, everybody. It's the fly racing racer X podcast about Dallas supercross. Uh, thank you. Top Jimmy. Thank you for filling in for JT. Did a good job. No, well, I hadn't got a call in a while. So I figured you guys, hated me as much as you hated my riding <laughs> no no we're back on top jimmy bandwagon now we're back on oh, okay all we, right all right we were off and, and right, we're, so we're back I'll be on. ready for the minnesota <laughs> podcast next weekend yeah, absolutely all right no, thanks no 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 nah, because jt gets really mad so um uh, we have to have him on otherwise he'll freak out all right um we'll uh, do that all right fly racer x online dallas wrap-up podcast jason wygant top jimmy albertson thanks boys Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. 
we get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Right, the day.